0: with AWB Contract Templates.
1: You living through your values in action by having consent baked into your agreements, having consent baked into your conversations and the way that you literally approach everything can potentially allow someone else to realize that this is a type of person and business and brand and team that they wanna continue to connect and work with. Because they are respecting them, because they're including them in the process, and because they're being transparent. You're listening to Flaunt Your Fire. I am your host, India Jackson, and today I am recording on the stolen land of my brother's ancestors, the Biscataway people. This land is also known as the state of Maryland, USA. What role does consent play in your life? How does it affect the way that you show up? How does it affect your image? What role does consent even play in compensation? Are there agreements in place in all avenues for you with this? If you're guesting on podcasts, are you signing any kind of agreement? And if not, how do you know what happens if there's a part of the interview you want edited out? Or at some point, if you decide you no longer want that interview to be used and published, what happens next? I will be talking all things consent with Stacey Lampkin. We're talking podcast, your public image, compensation, even health and how consent plays a role in healthcare, the health industry as a whole, as well as in medications, what role does consent play with kids in your life, whether you personally have children or you love the children of others? And it's gonna be such a juicy conversation. So before we begin this conversation, I must give this content note that Stacy and I will be digging into discussion about predatory business practices, exploitation, racism, trust, and a lack of consent. So If that's something that you're not in a place to have others around you hearing and your audio is is playing out loud for everyone else, or if you're in a place where you want to give yourself some time before you come back to this content, I'm going to give you a moment to go ahead and pause it and revisit us at a later time. What do gardening, ice cream, roller coasters... Advocacy, pediatrics, and education have in common? Well, all of these are passions of the wonderful human that I have gotten to know over time, named Stacy Lampkin. Stacy and I had the pleasure of meeting through the Pause and the Play community, and we've had so many beautiful conversations. And Stacy has just been such an eye-opener, a, a light. Um, especially, what has grabbed my attention is Stacy's conversations around consent, and you know, consent can be such a, a big and overused word. But around like being aware of what you're agreeing to, right? Stacy has spent more than 10 years providing clinical pharmacy services and supporting providers and families who care for medically complex kids and adolescents. And Stacy also inspires and educates future healthcare professionals in both classroom and patient care settings. Stacy's also a speaker, an advocate herself, and an educator to many. And Stacey just shows up in the world differently. I mean, even with some so much experience and credentials, I have never witnessed someone literally on their website tell you how to even verify their credentials. That's so huge. How often do we witness people in industries that are different than our own and they have all these extra letters behind their name and we're not quite sure what they mean so we're like googling them but it's not our industry. So we don't know how to confirm that those letters, you know, actually came from a real place. And so even in Stacy's way of having an about page on her website she gives people landing there the tools to verify Stacy's credentials to click over and learn through you know the NMIS office of professionals to look up Stacy's name such a, a very different approach to having those letters that we know people in other industries may not know exactly what they mean or where they came from I have so much love for Stacy and I'm so glad that Stacy is going to join us in this conversation today. And I'm so glad that you're getting to meet Stacy for yourself. In 2019 after experiencing firsthand the difficulties of navigating a new health issue, Stacy started sharing her knowledge about pediatric medications on a larger scale. And through Stacy Lampkin LLC, she combines her expertise experience as a patient and parent and interest in aromatherapy and herbalism to create digital resources, online courses and personalized presentations. By learning with Stacy, parents, caregivers, patient advocates, healthcare professionals and holistic practice practitioners <laughs> will gain clarity and confidence in making medication related healthcare choices that are right for the kids that they care for. And I'm going to say as an adult, I have learned how to make more informed choices for my own healthcare through some of Stacey's education and content. I'm excited to dig into this interview with you. And I also want to let you know this episode's a little different. You're going to notice that Stacey's asking a lot of the questions. We decided to kind of switch things up a little bit. And experiment. And so Stacy's interviewing me about my own experiences with consent and sometimes a lack of. <laughs> and so you're gonna get some of that, but also I just love Stacy. And Stacy has so much knowledge and expertise and experience of their own. So you'll witness Stacy sharing some of that too. <laughs> All right, let's dig in. Welcome Stacey.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I feel like I should be saying thank you for having me today since we're kind of flipping the script.
2: (laughs) Fair, very fair. Well, we will jump right in on the topic of consent today. To set a little background, we often think of consent as a very technical and legal lens of all yes or all no. And in many instances, We think of it as static, or at least I think of it as very static and irrevocable, and you sign a document or give permission, and it's given. So keeping that context of where many people, as soon as you hear that buzzword consent, think of it, I wanted to start this conversation out with, how do you feel that consent influences someone's ability to flaunt or not flaunt their fire as an individual once they've given that consent or permission?
1: Oh, I mean, I think consent is so much than, more than the legal piece um, and it has a direct relationship with our ability to feel safe and comfortable with showing up um, as well as, you know, fully being ourselves when we do. And one of the biggest things that comes to mind for me is like even in the example of today, you know, we're out here on a podcast and There was consent given potentially or not given with transparency or not when it comes to being on podcast about how that interview will be used. Well, the transparency of how it will be used, the clear direction of here's the subject matter we're going to cover before you ever get to the point of recording. Um, can truly allow someone to feel more confident to fully show up as themselves, especially uh, if they know, for example, with our podcast, that if there's something said um, that you want to be able to maybe edit out, you have the ability to just say, hey, pause, (laughs) yellow house production team, go ahead and erase the last thing I said. I want to start over again. I want to say that differently. And that's there. Um, when we don't know that we have the ability to do things like that, it can cause us to over-edit ourselves, second-guess ourselves, um, feel like we have to have everything outlined and planned out. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> because we're not gonna sure what's going to happen if we say something um, that we realize is not exactly what we meant. So even in the podcasting example, consent is so important; has such a direct reflection on the way that we show up.
2: So, do you have a time more talking from your personal experiences, or as an individual, it doesn't have to be your personal experiences? But you talked a little bit about how, on this podcast, we—if you're an interviewee—you can give consent. Have there been times that you felt conflicted about? being on a show or signing a consent because it wasn't where you could say I can revoke this piece of it or part of it and be very it wasn't very transparent.
1: Oh my gosh Um, so many times I have been invited to podcast or to speak in people's communities or um, do public speaking engagements on stages and oftentimes there is no agreement at all in place, Um, which in 2022, by the time this is released, it'll be 2023 is like mind boggling for me to even think about that you have something where people are sharing things and there's no legal agreement about whose intellectual property that is, um, what's going to happen with it, how it will or won't be edited. Down, who actually like has the rights to republish this? (laughs) Can it be used in a way that um, I think is referred to as defamation of character? So to like, kind of change your public image in a negative light. Um, Oftentimes, there's no agreement at all, um, which is very shocking.
2: That is very shocking. I was That was not what I was expecting when I asked this question. I was thinking way on the other side of this really strict contract. So
1: that no agreement is so shocking. Oh, yes. Oftentimes, you know, and we don't know what we don't know. We're not aware of what we're not aware of. So I know there are quite a few podcasters that listen to my podcast and read our articles, as well as the Pause and the Play podcast and their articles. And so, you know, if this applies to you, where you are engaging with other people in a recorded or written or documented way and you don't have an agreement number 1 you know be easy on yourself <laughs> about that and number 2 do your research and and look into what is out there what are some options when it comes to legal agreements and Not just going for the first thing that you witness being available as like a template or something like that, but really thinking about your values. Because, you know, if you value openness and a collaborative relationship with the people that you are interviewing or inviting to speak to your community, then you may approach that legal agreement very differently than someone who maybe doesn't and is more concerned about profit. You know, and so those are very different approaches to the same at the end of the day checking of a box that I've agreed to this before you record.
2: What are some items in that agreement? So you're very value based driven. We like to talk about that and making sure you're clear on that. What would be your idea? Deal. if you were signing a consent or even as you've been working on consent within your own business, what are things that you want to see in there that make it transparent? Or even if it's not in the consent, very detailed and every descriptive, what are things during this process of consent that should be discussed or brought up?
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, Such a great question. I feel like I should rewind it back. So (laughs) I want to first say before I even answer that, um, that Clearly, I am not an attorney, and I am not your legal advisor. Both you, Stacy, who I value very much, and anyone else listening or reading this episode. Um, I can only tell you what I know from my own experiences and what I would want as both a podcast host and a podcast guest. <laughs> but some things that I've noticed there... Um, you know, it was number one, giving an option to even opt out of that. So, um, you know, as you're thinking about that, like, is there a box being checked that I agree? And is it clear that if for some reason you don't agree that you can contact and like we can talk about this, we can discuss it, we can negotiate it? Um, and remembering that if you're the one, you know, who is, is filling out that form and things like that as well, um, and you don't agree with what's in there, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a no. You know, it's an opportunity to have a conversation. Um, One of the things that was really important for me to consider in a lot of our agreements, which people are consenting to what is there, is factoring in that for me, I don't want to consent to being the token black person on your podcast, the token black person on your stage, in your community don't have me come just because you haven't had any other brown people come or you need more brown people. <laughs>
2: Can you pause on that for a second? Yeah. How is that showing up? Are people putting that in their consents that way, that this is how you're being representing your uh, that whole community?
1: No, oftentimes it shows up um, in a very subtle and implied way that I would say in a different season of my life, I might not have even noticed as quickly. Um, so recognizing that um, you're asking me to come, but you really don't know much about you know, what I do or our community or our values um, or being asked to come and talk about lived experience only, which I find is very valuable. Um, But it's not necessarily coming from a place of this is live experience I've previously discussed as like a part of publicity. Maybe it's asking me to share trauma or something like that, like really difficult experiences. Um, And then also like noticing, okay, well, when this is going to be released or when this event is happening, is it during... um, Juneteenth, is it uh, during Black History Month? You know, thank you for amplifying Black people during those time frames. And if that's the only time, and then the rest of the time, there's no one of any diversity, whether it is uh, race, age range, whatever, happening. Like those are the things that I've noticed to pay attention to. When it comes back to going back to the legal side of consent, One of the things that I think is so important to protect oneself, and also if you do value diversity, um, to kind of protect the guest as well, is being able to bake that diversity into the agreement where it is literally putting in the agreement, we value diversity, and we've agreed to having a full range of representation. On this platform, whether it's in this community, on this podcast, at this in-person event, and both parties, if this diversity is not withheld or uh, the variety is not actually happening beyond this written agreement, have the opportunity to decide what is next, which may be that this contract is no longer valid and I can pull out and not speak on your stage. And not be penalized for that financially. Because oftentimes when you're agreeing to a paid speaking engagement or coming into someone's community or something that's very date specific, there can be cancellation fees associated with that. Or if you have a deposit included to hold your date and time and spot as the speaker, um, which I would highly recommend, uh, you know, that deposit is a percentage of your total pay. And so do you now lose that deposit because they didn't have the diversity they said they would? And I don't think there's one answer to any of these kinds of things to consider. But having that transparency and consenting to this is what it is, and you legally know what is next, if it doesn't stay the way that you agreed for it to be is so important.
2: That makes sense. And that leads into that revenue balance. Sometimes people might think of consent as protecting revenue and not thinking of it as the whole person in front of you. So how does that consent intersect with that revenue a little bit and making sure that it's great for the podcast interviewer or the speaker as well as the guest and making sure it's clear, as you sounds like you're saying, is for both sides, is who's losing what when that consent has to get revoked if agreement wasn't followed through or somebody was uncomfortable with the situation?
1: I mean, I think often than not, it can actually be incredible for the revenue. Um, It's very interesting if you are leading with your values and you're attracting people based on values, which whether we're proactively doing that or not, we will. Um, The people who value consent, they're witnessing what's happening. And oftentimes and not, you living through your values in action by having consent baked into your agreements, having consent baked into your conversations, and the way that you literally approach everything um, can potentially allow someone else to realize that this is a type of person and business and brand and team that they want to continue to connect and work with because they are respecting them because they're including them in on the process and because they're being transparent. Now, I will also say there are times where it may have some negative implications (laughs) on revenue as well. Um, And there are times that it's more neutral. And that really just depends on the business. Um, One of the things that comes to mind for me actually is not necessarily related to speaking, but when you're thinking about um, what happens when someone lands on a sales page, so if you're selling anything on the internet, whether it be a product or a service, um, if they are having to go to a sales page and then eventually click over to a shopping cart um, and then check out and literally like put in their money and pay <laughs> so they can receive the thing that they've um, invested in, you know, one of the things to consider that needs to be in place is what happens after you spend the money. Here is what you're agreeing to. Here's the terms and conditions of your purchase. And oftentimes that's either not there at all in a lot of smaller businesses that, you know, may not have considered that this is something that needs to be there from a legal standpoint. Um, And also just like an easy figuring out what happens when someone wants a refund standpoint. Um, But then the next piece is, if it is there, you know, how is it there? Is it just written as a statement or do you have a check box that someone is like manually kind of like their internet signature as far as most legal uh, advisors would say is concerned of like, I checked the box, which means I read it and I agree. Well, that extra step does slow down your purchasing process. However, it does create clarity and transparency.
2: And as a business owner, that definitely helps protect that. I know I've thought of this before in terms of I have this consent. I have this checkbox. Most of the time, I just push it and don't read it. So what do you think? <laughs> All right, but they get super long and lengthy. And I'm like, I really want this product uh, or I I want this sale. So obviously, it probably depends on if I'm purchasing from a, what I'm purchasing it as well. But what do you think of yeah, how can we shift that a little bit to make it not this huge lengthy 20-page legal document? Is there ways you might say to show you have your value show up on that sales page or before that sales page so you don't, if you skip through that legal document, you still know what organization
1: you're working with and consenting to? Absolutely, Stacey. Such a great question. Um And I have some questions for you as a result of it. But I would say number one is uh, figuring out what are some of the key things in that agreement that you can bring out and address in an FAQ area, especially if we're talking about something that's being sold, um, that's a service, or is over, like I would say, probably $200 plus. I mean, it's a bigger investment. So have you addressed people's frequently asked questions of like, what happens, you know, um, when can I cancel if it's a recurring subscription or a membership? Um, Are you addressing some of the things of like, how is my data used, you know, if it is something where um, people are putting in a lot of personal information? I think that a lot of times we can address some of those things in a place that people will actually read through having FAQ. But that's how I purchase. And so I'm the type of buyer that I am thinking about like what's gonna happen next. So I'm more likely to like click the little drop downs in the FAQ area and skim through them real fast. I might not read them super thoroughly. (laughs) And I think that many people are like that, but I'm curious to know because I know my way is not the only way that people think and behave online. So I'm curious to know if you tend to read FAQs.
2: It depends on the what I'm trying to purchase. If I'm comfortable with that organization, I try to focus on shopping local. I kind of just skip through. So if there's already that image out there of this is local, they're a great organization. I've seen reviews, I kind of just assume that I do like they're a great organization and I might skip the FAQs. If depends, if I'm buying a t-shirt versus if I'm committing to a podcast, it's gonna be very different when I look at those FAQs. But I do tend to dig into a person's website and kind of see what's on there before I even click that purchasing page.
1: That's such great info because it it makes me think about um, the fact that integrating your values, right, and um, showcasing what those values are and how your business is operating, but also how the people within your business operate, think, um, and behave, (laughs) is a part of that feeling safe enough to not read that fine print. Not saying we should skip reading the fine print, but some of this values-based work and how a company shows up can also create a certain level of safety and comfort in someone making that purchasing decision.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's how I look at it. If I've already built trust in that company, I'm trusting, if I was making... The other that times I also don't look at the consent is if there's more probably when I download apps, which is really bad. But if there's like an app I have to use and I have to have it for work or another reason, I'm like, well, I have to check the box. (laughs) And then I change the permissions as much as possible. But you get trapped in that. How else am I going to get this app? I can't
1: challenge this large conglomerate. That is so me. I mean there's so many like updates to Apple software and in full transparency. I am the Apple person, not because I'm like a big fan of this company, but just the interconnectivity as someone who has a very like online based business and also um, likes to be able to connect with family in different ways. And so I feel like every time there's an update, both to the computers and to the phone. It's like, here's all these things you're agreeing to. I'm not reading that. I still need to use my computer and phone. Right. (laughs) What am I going to do? Click no and like not upgrade the software? Exactly. There's like those times. And oftentimes there's um, purchasing like uh, physical goods for me, oftentimes like apparel and things like that. I'm not as likely to read the return policy if I've already purchased from the company. I know um, it's going to fit or I've had to return something and exchange it for the right size and things like that in the past. I kind of might skip that over. But also note that these are either things that we have out of necessity. I can't ditch the laptop and the phone (laughs) (laughs) and still be here with you today. Um, And also things that for me, I have out of pleasure um, or, well, I guess clothing is a necessity. You have to clothe yourself. Uh, but it's a lower ticket item and a lower risk item as well. There's less to lose if that shirt doesn't fit and you can't return it.
2: Right. And that's why I like to look at not always the FAQs, but the values of that organization. Because I'm like, well, then I consider it. I'll donate this shirt to somebody else. And then this person still got their business, which is helps to shop within if you the values versus I just like this shirt.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Posting photos or stories about the kids in our lives has become habitual for many of us. We need to move away from making assumptions and instead move towards a place of consent and autonomy. Stacy Lampkin from today's episode and Shannon Collins encourage you to join us in re-examining our approach and how we share about children in online spaces. They will challenge you to reconsider why are you posting pictures of your children, so common in the online coaching world, and what the potential risks and rewards may be to the kids around us. Modeling boundary setting and asking for consent when sharing photos or stories about children has a lifelong impact. And so, after the workshop that they're offering titled Sharing About Our Kids Online Do You Have Their Consent? You'll be invited to continue the conversation in hopes of influencing the narrative of others in our circles. So, during this workshop that Stacey and Shannon offer, you'll be discussing and learning about the basics of consent, including the why, not just the what. And we'll be reconsidering posting publicly about kids via stories on Instagram, pictures, and offering alternatives of what to do instead. There'll be discussion around boundary setting. We'll be providing some questions to ask yourself and to contemplate or journal on. There'll be accountability with yourself and others and some additional tools and resources. There's even an FAQ at the end which sometimes we can get the most insight from witnessing the answers to others questions. You can get access to this workshop at any time 24/7 on demand no matter where you are in the world through Pause and the Play the Community. You can find out more over at pauseandtheplay.com and join us for the simple price of $97. So if this workshop sounds like it's for you, head on over to pauseandtheplay.com slash community.
2: Circling back to consent and instead of product, more that service industries and service based. We talked quite a bit about podcast and speaking. Are there other industries that you want to talk about where consent might need to change or you've might want to say you would approach consent differently than some of the pieces we've already discussed?
1: Oh, my gosh. We need like 30 podcast episodes for that. (laughs) Uh, I got to pick one or two maybe for today's episode. (laughs) Um, But I'll say in general, pretty much every industry that I can think of has more room for consent. Um, And... When I think about the industries that I've participated in, um, you know, modeling, uh, many of of the people who listen to the show and read its articles may not know, but I was a model as a teenager. Um, That industry has so little consent. Um, I mean, yes, you have to have like a parent or guardian sign off and the ability to use your image before you're 18. But beyond that, there is so much that happens behind the scenes Um, that oftentimes the person who is in the modeling position doesn't really feel like they have consent to say no to what is happening with their public image, what is happening with their physical body, um, what is happening with their hair. And when we're thinking about oftentimes in this industry, people who are a model can often be between the ages of like 14 and like 21 as like the bulk of the modeling industry even though you may see someone on the cover of something and they look older oftentimes these are people that are 21 and under that are made up to look that age and so even when the consent is there in a legal agreement of like okay I need you to sign this so we can use your image for all the things was that consent really informed You know, does the model really understand before they're agreeing to that how their industry works, how payout works, um, what the long term implications of their image being used in a particular way might be on their personal lives or ability to get a job um, or what happens online as far as people's judgment of them or lack of? I think oftentimes that is really blurry and really messy if we're going to be real.
2: Oh, I can imagine that, especially that age, that 14 to 21, you're trying to potentially fit in or grow or want the recognition and not taking that step back of what does that mean? How do you, does that intersect with both the family that's giving consent, especially if the person's under 18, and the business? Where's some of that, it should probably fall on both, but is there any comment on that of the parent role? Or do we have to do better education to parents signing these consents that might not be that aware that this is happening in the industry until it's too late to revoke that consent? Or,
1: you know, I do think that it is both. It is both the parents getting more involved and learning more. As well as the model, you know, as much as they're able to process and decide for themselves at that age range. But I also think it's the industry being more transparent. Um, A lot of people don't know the big difference of, well, even how the industry works. That is challenge number one. So if you don't understand where the flow of money is and how it flows and what, you know, rivers and pathways and streams there are for this very, very lucrative industry, Um, especially if you're doing like ad campaigns and billboards and things like that and TV commercials. There's a lot of money here. So if you don't understand how the money happens, how it flows down the stream, then you may be agreeing to something that sounds like amazing. Oh, we're going to make like $100,000 on this project. But really, because what you agreed to in the written document is not just that your image or in this case, let's go with a TV commercial. Not just the video footage can be used on TV commercials, but it's also going to be used on the website. It's going to be used on video billboards, um, and since it's the main campaign that they have for this product, um, it's going to get social media ads. Maybe you know, maybe we will or won't use it, but we have legal agreement to use it. Also, for um, the next five years, right, that is a very different financial payout than using your image for a six-month period and having to renew with you if they want to continue that forth for another six months. And so when we don't understand how the money works, um, there is a major, like, industry, business, and financial implication. And then we have underneath that all the other pieces of how was this person portrayed, You know, are they playing the um, sexy person, but we're talking about somebody who's 17 or 18 that may not feel the same way about that video a few years from now.
2: Right. And how does that intersect with identity and that pressure maybe to say, I have to show up to represent a group or I have to show up? Are there ways that people should really think about that differently?
1: Um, Absolutely. And so it makes me think about like content creators as well. Um, Obviously being here today with me, you're a content creator. You create lots of wonderful posts and videos and things like that on social media. Um, Being on a podcast is content. And so oftentimes it can be written, it can be video, it can be audio. Um, But even when we think of people who are using like their image. To create content for another business, um, there's the implications of how that shows up for them as well. So, a lot of the same things that are applying to the discussion we're having about models, you know, I want to pause and say if you don't identify as someone who has ever modeled or know a model or has a model in your family, Question How does this apply to you as a business owner who's creating content, especially if you're creating content as a part of a collaboration with another brand or a part of being in a brand partnership deal or an affiliate partnership? Um, How can that company utilize your content? And when we begin to create for other people, oftentimes, um, but I'll say sometimes even when we're creating for ourselves we have to be mindful of the the question of how might taking on this project influence the way that i show up and i don't just mean like okay maybe you're selling something at the end <laughs> because let's be real most things we're creating may lead to something that's for sale but if you are selling something at the end it is worthwhile asking yourself how can i still sell this thing and not compromise who I am or turn into someone else to sell it. It's funny, but I think back about when um, TikTok and Instagram, really more so TikTok, started to have like these videos where everyone was using the same audio. And it would typically be like a similar concept where either you're like dancing and pointing at something. But it's like, hmm, are we pausing to say if I'm going to do that and then insert a brand's product or even insert my own product or service or podcast link or whatever it is, is behaving in this way a true representation of my brand? And I don't know if we all pause long enough to question that or if many times we are considering what is going to go viral the fastest.
2: That's a great Point to think about, especially as you're talking about flaunting your fire. So getting back to that piece of what is your fire and what where do you want it to show up and how do you want it to show up?
1: Oh, gosh, my fire <laughs> it's in a lot of different places over the last few years. Um, and I love that what has me fired up has continued to evolve. Um, but honestly, right now, flaunting my fire has really been exploring. The interdependence, like what is possible when we all work together from a place of informed consent <laughs> and really find a way to have this community collaborative partnership-based relationship with one another. You know, there are so many talented and incredible minds in the world. You are one of them, Stacy. I Love being able to take in the work that you're doing, the conversations that you are having about consent, the things that I am learning from you about consent with children and really um, thinking before we take that picture and actually asking that child, you know, are you okay with this and giving them all the information about how it'll be used as well. And so I don't know everything. I think it's safe to say that you don't know everything, but we know what we know And being able to connect with people who know different things than we do, have different lived experiences than we do. Uh, There's just so much incredible possibilities when we work together. Um, I think back to like way back in the day, you know, when one person grew this thing in their backyard, maybe they had the watermelon and the other person was growing the corn. And you figured out how to connect together as you were harvesting to share those ingredients that we would now call groceries at the grocery store. But (laughs) I digress. And so you had that variety in your diet. Well, how can we think about that when we're thinking about building relationships with people that we're meeting in our local community or online or in our business space? That is what has me fired up right now, amongst other things.
2: (laughs) I love that kind of re- going back to that interdependence, but moving forward because that pie mentality of there's just only so much and we all have to own all of it and can't share this pie or is very restrictive and it really shouldn't be that, that way. And I think sometimes when I'm working with different people, I always in the back of my head, I'm like a little bit skeptical of like art do you have some other motive that you're not telling me about? Um, But maybe that is because there wasn't that much transparency or maybe they had this consent that didn't align with their values.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's so, it's such a real consideration. Um, Especially, I'll say even out of transparency, it's something that uh, is a constant work in progress for me to think about as well. Because if you've ever been in a situation where someone has Bypass your consent or taking advantage of that, it makes you skeptical. Like that's a normal human response. And so I just want to honor that for a second because we can talk about, you know, collaborations and what's possible. But this episode, we also talked about like real implications of being tokenized or um, not agreeing to something or a company profiting off of you in a way that you didn't realize they would and how much money left on the table. And so when I think about all that and kind of bringing it back, it makes me think about a really tiny example, but something that's shown up for me that I've been paying more attention to is like, even for a listener, you know, if you have an email list, think about how are you utilizing that? When someone goes to sign up for those emails, do they know what they're consenting to receive in their inbox? You know, How can you respect someone's inbox like you would respect the mailbox of their home? Because oftentimes um, it's easy to just you know slap up a opt-in to my thing, you know, get your sign up for our emails. and we're not being clear about what those emails are. Um, So step one is be clear about what will you receive. And then the other piece to that is once someone's in your email list, realistically, if you have a business that sells a product or you partner with businesses that do and help sell it for them as a brand partnership or an affiliate or an ambassador or something like that, give people the opportunity to say that they don't want to receive a sales campaign before you send it. There's going to be so much more um, respect, um, appreciation for your brand, trust, which trust is so important. People don't buy from people they don't trust. Involve when you give people the option to agree or not agree to what you're going to do when it goes beyond the scope of what they originally agreed to receive.
2: I agree with that because I love when you can opt out of a sales thing. Otherwise, you're getting an email every single day. And then sometimes I'm like, well, I really liked this, your other emails, but I don't want to keep hitting delete. So um, instead of receiving those emails, I think we forget about those simple things that can make a big difference.
1: Right. And, and what you're sharing there, um, it's also <laughs> the side effect of that is they get to retain someone like you because you might just opt out of the whole thing. Like, hey, I didn't expect to get an email every day with sales. I expected to get an email once a week. Now that I'm getting this, I'm just going to unsubscribe they'll actually get to keep a Stacy on their list because you'll get to just receive what you signed up for. <laughs> I'm curious to know from you being in the industry that you you come from um, and really having completely different work experiences than me, what are some of the things that has you fired up when it comes to consent?
2: So this could be also its own podcast for the people who do- don't know. My main background is in healthcare. I am a pediatric pharmacist. So often my first experiences with consent in the healthcare setting were very, you're consenting to this procedure. Uh, you're consenting for a treatment option. So it was very, you can't technically revoke it after the fact. So very legally driven. So it really has me then fired up about consent in. The healthcare industry is just being that transparent piece. Is again, are we reading those consents? And they're very technical and very legal. So as I've been navigating this, trying to do more education on being clear if somebody is consenting to a medication, or even if it's not a written consent, by consent in healthcare for medications so are picking up, you're agreeing to take it. Uh, is just. I really have a passion now around that education piece of making sure that people are transparent, it's understood what are you agreeing to if you're going to take this medication? What does that mean when working with me? What does that mean with working with the provider? And as a pediatric pharmacist, I get really fired up about including kids in that healthcare decision-making as much as possible and giving them a voice. Uh, Yes, there's going to be instances where they really need something from a life-saving measure, but if there is something where they get to choose the flavor of the medication that will help them out, so I like to pull in those decisions and get the family comfortable with asking questions and including kids. My assumption, and this is a very generalized assumption, is that a lot of times kids aren't included in their healthcare because I'm not sure the family is comfortable with how to include them because healthcare has evolved from this. I'm telling you what to do, and now we're really working towards the shared decision making as an ideal. And if you're not comfortable, how are you going to include your child if you're not comfortable? So trying to model that as well.
1: That's so big, because I remember, you know, when I was a child, it was definitely this industry of like, here's what needs to happen. And I wonder, like, even back then, you know, if adults, if parents didn't feel like they were able to have informed consent. So it's like now as you're trying to involve the children, it's like the parents are still learning this for themselves. And then there's a certain level of, like, trust as well, um, oftentimes out of necessity because, you know, most people who are not in the medical field don't really know the difference between this medication or that and the side effects. Mm -hmm.
2: And the verbiage is very – not only the legal consents that you sign, but I always try to explain that if somebody doesn't understand what I'm saying to tell me because it is – healthcare is its own language – in a a sense, I try to compare it more to learning a new language with a lot of the buzzwords we use in healthcare and giving people that comfort.
1: That's so true. I appreciate the fact that you um, are acknowledging that in the way that you approach this work too, because so often we can go into these areas like health or legal. um, And I would even say like, other subsets of industries, when you're really deep in them, like design and things like that, have their own language and own culture. And being someone who's not from those industries, it can be like, it can feel like I have no idea what anyone's saying. Exactly. <laughs> Please explain. And not everyone feels comfortable enough to volunteer that information and ask of their own accord. Sometimes that invitation can make all the difference.
2: Yeah, and I I mean I see it quite regularly that you don't want to be embarrassed or don't want to feel silly that you don't know something or like, sh- and it's your health. So I think there's also this other assumption that you should know how to take care of yourself.
1: And it's not as easy as we think. No, no. So I, one of my takeaways from this conversation is realizing that part of consent is also like leaving and keeping the dialogue open. Like, Hey, if there's anything you're not sure about or don't understand here, please ask. Happy to support no matter what industry we're in. I agree. And I know we could talk forever about it, but definitely in the marketing industry, like oftentimes you are the product. When the product that you are using, when the service you are using is free, you are the product. And is that being made really clear to you? Are you feel like that you truly understand that enough to consent to that. When you start utilizing software as a service, or showing up in this space, or or clicking this button in an email you got, that is, you're the research. (laughs) And your data is the information being sold. Oh, I bet you that just
2: (laughs) blew a lot of people's minds on
1: there to remember that, yeah,
2: when you're some of those things that you're consenting to is then monitoring What's going on with your habits, which is a lot that targeted marketing piece of when people say, how do they get, how do they know I was looking at this on my phone and now it's on
1: my web browser? Absolutely. I'm going to tell you business owners using that Facebook pixel, ah, (laughs) like it's so effective and I get it because it allows you to, you know, find the people who um, have liked this particular movie on Facebook that you know, like, oh, if people like that movie, they might like our product. But those people didn't necessarily knowingly, because we already said we're just agreeing to the terms and conditions on the apps on our phones, we're going to use them. They didn't know that they were being monitored for that to then be resold to by you. This is not common knowledge.
2: (laughs) Yes, it's not common knowledge. But taking that step back and is probably the most important. I mean, thing is just being aware of right, that. What are you consenting to? And if you don't have, if you feel like you don't have a choice because you have to have that app, I have noticed that some you can actually go back into your settings and change certain. Like sometimes that overlaps with settings. Uh, from that standpoint of
1: right, you can go into Facebook and turn off some of that. I would say, if anything, we just said there was like alarming is to go back and and look at your settings (laughs) and see what information you're sharing that maybe you didn't necessarily want to share and see what you may want to revoke or what you might want to leave there and you're okay with. Um, But I know as we wind down from um, this episode, we always try to find like one action that you feel like is the action to take based on this conversation.
2: That's supposed to be my question for you because I'm the host. (laughs) So we're going to wrap that up then with what is one final lesson that listeners can apply
1: to their daily lives? Oh, my gosh, Daisy. I'm so used to being on the other side of that (laughs) question. (laughs) Um, I would say what I just said. Go and look at your settings if you're thinking about what are you consenting to that maybe you didn't realize you agreed to legally. And see where you want to change some of the settings in your device. Um, Number two, if you're a business owner, so that's like personal, right? If you're a business owner, go in. And if you have anywhere that you're collaborating with people, make sure you have some kind of agreement. And make sure that that agreement is written in a way that is really easy to understand. Like, what is each person's role in this agreement? And what happens if, for some reason, we decide we no longer agree to this anymore? For whatever reason, maybe something happens and you realize your values on our line, maybe somebody just has to cancel because I, I don't know, their kid got sick or something. But being able to have those agreements be really, really clear of like what happens, not just when everything's great, but also if something unexpected happens as well. If something went in a way that you didn't plan for. And then the last thing I would say um, is we did talk about children, and I think consent with children is so, so, so important. Um, And Stacey, I think you can break that one down a little bit better than me, but including your children and in the conversation of what happens with them.
2: Yes, I would love to have us be more aware of how we consent and what we're consenting to and model that for Children, and when we sign off on their permission slips, so that they can, if it has in there that they're going to get their picture taken at this event, make sure that they're comfortable with that and how is it going to be shared, and just take that step back when we're consenting for our kids. And you might say, well, they don't understand what the implications are, or then they can't go on that field trip, but have that conversation with them and just keep that dialogue open with kids. And I also wanted to add in, you had mentioned it way earlier about giving yourself permission if you don't have an agreement in place. Uh, So I also wanted to add that note reminder is in a closing thought that if you don't have an agreement, or if you have an agreement, but it doesn't have a lot of things that we discussed in it, that it's not permanent, Uh, you can evolve it. It's your business.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that reminder. Thank you for this interview.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for letting me interview you. This was fun.
1: Same. All right. Before we wrap up, I want to switch gears. Since I have you, I wanted to ask real fast. What has flaunting your fire meant for you in the past? And how has that evolved now? I'm really curious because I witnessed just the way that you show up evolve in such a beautiful and authentic way.
2: Oh, gosh. I want to say, I don't even want to say I was like. flaunting my fire, but if you would have asked me probably before I joined the community or even like five years ago, I would have been so, I was so tunneled into being this perfect healthcare provider based on going through that pathway of being a professional and being this person, elite person, um, because that's how they train you in healthcare, to have to know it all and be it all and represent it. So more recently, like flaunting my, right, fire is really getting back to that personality. Like, where's my personality? Where are those values? Getting out of my silo, as we like to say in healthcare, healthcare is in silos, but even just getting in personal life as well as in like my work life and kind of trying to figure out how I can show up in the world with these different perspectives that I've learned along the way as I've decided to talk to different industries uh, as I was trying to grow a business we'll see how it happens but not just looking at all the people in healthcare that are growing consulting businesses but how are people doing it in different industries and see what we can learn from each other I think it's important even as like even when I'm in that the piece of healthcare or not healthcare just as you're going through education and you're trying to get so much knowledge, then that you forget about who you are. So it's not even just just healthcare, but I see it all the time. And right, s- nobody's teaching you about everything else that's going on in your life. You're just so focused on like the, learning the books and you lose. I, I lost personality in the, along the way uh, in terms of how to externalize that. That's a key message I try to tell my students of like, don't forget you're still a person. Like you still have this background and how can you
1: show up? Yeah, I'm curious to know, what are you, um, oftentimes when we think about flaunting our fire, it can be this exciting, powerful, vibrant, um, bright thing, right? Fire is hot, it's heat, it's light. But in flaunting that fire, I think it's also important to keep in mind how do you keep that fire burning? Because as that fire is burning, say, for example, we're using wood, eventually you're going to have to put more wood in the fire or it's going to burn out. So I'm curious to know from you, as you shared so much here um, with me and I've witnessed so much from you and you're in a very, shall I say, a challenging industry to disrupt. Because there's so much red tape, there's so many barriers to creating change. Um, I wonder, like, what helps you keep your fire burning to where you don't feel like you're burning yourself out?
2: Uh, revisiting the like, my whole life values in terms of making sure that something, because I get really energized really quickly. And so I give myself 48 hours to say no. Or yes <laughs> to anything. The just so and then just going back to making sure so like work life balance in in essence just is like my start of how much time do I have. But then when I get into okay, I have some space in my schedule or I have some time and I want to reignite something or rebuild it is really trying to surround myself with other people that or in or outside of the industry that are trying to make change Um, and like celebrating those small wins keeps, keeps me going and then talking to family and friends or anybody who is like, Oh yes, this is such anytime I'm like, kind of like, am I in the right direction or is this going to be useful talking, talking it through to say, keep going, keep educating. Um, I think it's easier for me because I'm very extroverted. So it's quick. Like I can quickly get. I'm very internally energized, but quickly, very quickly, externally reaffirmed. So it might be different as you ask those questions to other people. Very different for other people. Uh, but I've learned to yeah protect my time and and even right now, like kind of the business stuff's on hold because I've had this like project at work I'm super excited about. So that's really my bigger th- and challenge is kind of having where to put my energy and if something doesn't seem to be going right. And I'm, and I think through the years is just saying, okay, I have to let it go and giving those things up to make room for new things that keep that fire going, which took a while to that, like not give up mentality. Right.
0: Hmm.
1: Such a powerful reflection there, whether it's a pause or letting something go. I think oftentimes we don't give ourselves enough permission to do that. And that can be one of the key things to refueling your fire, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't keep you any longer. I know we are over time, but I do want to say thank you. Thank you. All right. I will catch you soon. All right. Thank you again. Oh, my gosh. I so love this conversation with Stacy, And Stacy is just such a beautiful and wonderful human being. and. This conversation with Stacy is just the beginning, right? This is just a small segment of how Stacy shows up in the world. And I know after listening to it, you're going to want more of So if you're ready to get more, head on over to stacylampkin.com. That is S-T-A-C-I-E-L-A-M-P-K-I-N.com. You'll also find that link in our episode description and in our show notes article. Stacy's also pretty active over at LinkedIn, and uh, over there it's the same spelling of Stacy's name. And you'll find that uh, Stacy's content is very interesting and really grabs your attention. And the conversations happening in the comments—so mm, worthwhile to be over there on LinkedIn. So you can keep in touch with Stacy in those two ways, and. I'm just gonna say thank you again, Stacy, for being here for this conversation. It's been such a pleasure getting to know Stacy in so many different ways and being able to bring just one piece of our mini conversations to each of you today. All right. And while you have your device, you know, active and you're adding Stacy and checking out the website. If you like additional podcast episodes on consent, I'm gonna encourage you to check out. Pause in the Plays, episode 176. It's called Legal Agreements, Integrating Your Values and Creating Consent with Autumn Whitboyd. Autumn's an attorney, so in that episode, we're talking about the legal side of consent and how do you integrate consent and your values into your contracts. Um, you can also check out Pause in the Play, episode 185. That episode is includes Shannon Collins who leads the workshop with Stacy that is called sharing about kids online do you have their consent and so you'll get to know Shannon a little bit better you'll also get to know my Pause and Play co-founder Erica Corday better because Shannon is interviewing Erica Corday on that episode about autonomy personal ownership and consent and it's such a good episode all right. Now, if you're ready to go from passive information, whether that's reading our episode articles or listening to the audio today, I am going to encourage you to take some action. And just a reminder, one way you can take some action is signing up to be able to take Stacey and Shannon's workshop on consent with kids. Head on over to pauseontheplay.com community to get access to that. We've been doing things a bit differently here at the podcast, so I want to thank you here for continuing to be on the journey with us as we're discussing some different topics than we did when we first started Flaunt Your Fire, but they're so important and they mean so much to me, and so I hope that they've been just as helpful and enlightening for you as they have been for me as well. I can't wait to chat with you on the next episode, and until then, keep flaunting your fire. The Flaunt Your Fire podcast is brought to you by the wonderful brand that I co-founded with Eric Corday. Pause on the Play. You can learn more about Pause on the Play's community, workshops, and implicit to explicit masterclass over at pauseontheplay.com.
0: Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. And then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?